Welcome to another episode of First Time Bible Teacher, a podcast designed to help you learn to teach the Bible, starting with the very basics. This episode is about balancing being personal in your teachings without making a sermon all about you. We're called to share our lives with the people we teach, but we don't want to just talk about ourselves for 30 minutes at a time. In this episode, we talk about the importance of this balance, helpful principles to keep in mind, and practical ways to not make sermons all about you. Let's dive in. Sometimes I pick topics on this podcast because I think I'm experienced with them. I think that I'm starting to get a handle on how they should go. And sometimes I pick topics for this podcast because I recognize I'm not really that great at them and they are things that I need to learn and work in. This is one of the topics I feel I need to work at. The balance of being personal versus making a teaching all about you. My teachings generally follow a pretty predictable pattern. They normally start with a story generally from my childhood, and I try to be funny in this story for a little bit, and then I transition into the point that I want to make. Now, this can be helpful at times. It's something I still do. It's not something I've just completely cut out and I think is useless, but one of the things about this particular tactic is it automatically puts you at the center. It automatically makes you as the teacher the focus, at least for the first few minutes, if you're going to tell a story to begin your teachings, specifically a story that comes from you. One of the things we need to be careful of, as a teacher, you are being looked up to. I mean, this happens both in the literal sense, you are literally on a stage, most likely, that people are looking up at, or you're the one standing and everybody else is sitting. You know, people are literally looking up at you. And there's a power dynamic that that comes from that. You know, when we think of movie scenes, if the camera is looking way up at the stronger character, or the camera being way below, and they're looking up at the giant character, they look huge and intimidating, and they look like they're the ones who are in control. Well, that dynamic literally happens as you're teaching. You are the one standing, you're the one in control, you're the one with a voice, and everybody else needs to kind of back down. And metaphorically, even when you've stepped off the stage, you are the leader of that group, or at the very least, you've been given an opportunity to lead. And so because of that, people wind up putting you on a pedestal. They wind up looking at you and your spiritual walk as something perhaps light years ahead of the spiritual walk they have. I remember being a youth group student looking up at my leaders thinking they're the ones who have figured teaching out, or they're the ones who have figured Christianity out, and I need to simply follow in their footsteps. We need to be very careful about not contributing to that idea. You're teaching is not primarily about your image. It's about using a specific skill set to serve people. That's the goal. Teaching is about serving the people who are listening to you. So when you're teaching, you're going to need to be personal. You're going to need to be honest. You, You don't want to feel 
like you don't have any personality because people want to follow real people. If you're this distant and very aloof kind of person, if you don't share anything about yourself, you're actually going to become harder to follow because people won't know who you are. They want to follow leaders they know, that they understand, that make sense to them. I think about throughout all of scripture, God again and again used the specific personalities of Bible authors. He used the specific personalities that people had. He didn't say, when you're writing holy scripture, you no longer are the person you've been before. You are just now the person who happens to be holding the pen or the quill or whatever, you know, you get what I mean. Um, It's not just you happen to be the one doing the writing for me. It's that your personality gets infused into the writing. And that's why we see so many differences between the way Paul writes in scripture and the way that Peter writes in scripture and the way that Isaiah wrote in scripture and the way that Moses wrote in scripture. There are so many differences to all of these biblical writers because their personalities weren't simply on hold or sent away as they were writing scripture. They were used by God as they were writing scripture. Now, that doesn't mean that we look at the writings of Paul and say Paul was the point of those letters. He certainly never believed that. He only ever saw himself as a tool that God chose to use. So it's not that he put all of his personality aside. It's rather that he recognized while being real and while being personal, he wasn't the point. And we need to be very careful about not making ourselves the point of teaching. We can do this in two different ways, I think. The first is we can try to use teaching to win people's approval. That through the course of our teaching, we can try to make the people we teach believe we are super Christians and they are just Christian light. They are the free version of the app and we are the super expensive paid subscription. We can very much try to do that in our teaching. And it feels good when people come up to you afterwards and they say, wow, your walk with the Lord must be so good. There's a small party that's like, darn right it is. Like, I am doing amazing. You, Everybody wants to feel good about themselves. That makes sense. But it hurts you because it makes you think that as long as people approve of me, God must approve of me. And that's a very dangerous place to be. But it also hurts your people because it makes them look at you and start thinking, well, that's what a real Christian is. I don't know if I can ever match up to them. I don't know if I can be as good as them. That's not the goal of teaching. By trying to win people's approval, you hurt them and you hurt yourself. Now, some people go the opposite way. The second way I think we can make teaching all about ourselves is we can use the pulpit to vent our own walk. You know, we go up there and we talk all about the doubts and the sins and the problems and the difficulties we face. We talk a lot about our own spiritual journey. We talk a lot about the things that God still needs to accomplish in our lives. And what we wind up doing when we vent everything is we turn the audience that we were meant to serve into our silent therapists. You know, a lot of times just by saying something that's difficult that's going on, you wind up feeling a lot better. And sometimes when you use your 
self as a, a sermon illustration or when you talk about a situation that was difficult in your own walk, it, it feels good to have taught it. It feels good to have said that publicly in front of a number of people. But when you take the people that you're supposed to be leading and turn them into people who help you by listening, then everything has flipped on its head. Rather than you doing your role of teaching people so that they grow, you turn them into therapists who listen to you so that you grow. That's not the point of teaching. That will happen at times. There have been points that I have shared in messages whereby speaking them, they hit in my soul more deeply. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing if that ever happens. But what I am saying is, if you use your messages just to try to feel better about your walk because you admitted things, you're being selfish in your teaching. You're not opening things up for people to learn. You're not diving into scripture so that others can grow. You're venting your own thoughts so that you can feel better about yourselves. Whether you're trying to win someone's approval or whether you're trying to vent your own personal disapproval of yourself, both of those things can make teaching selfish. And they both undermine the idea of being personal with people without making it all about you. So, Let's talk about ways that we can be open, because we should be open with our congregations. We should be honest in front of the people we get to teach. And there, there's three things that I think we should feel more comfortable owning than we might feel with, comfortable with right now. The first, I think, is that we should admit our own faults. Like we were talking about right at the top of the podcast, um, People are prone to look up to Bible teachers. They're prone to think that Bible teachers are perfect, that they are super Christians, and that they are doing amazing. It's helpful when you show people you're not perfect. Now, I'm not saying that every time you teach, you need to talk about everything you did wrong that week. That's turning your audience into silent therapists. And I'm definitely not saying that if somehow you've fallen into disqualifying sin, that the first place you should talk about it is in front of the people you're teaching. That should absolutely go to your church leaders first. You should let them make decisions about how that's going to get shared with people, and you should submit yourself to that process because it's going to be better for you. I'm really, really hopeful that I didn't need to say that for anybody, but if you listen to that and you're like, oh, goodness, I need to go talk to my church leaders. Please listen to our Good Lion podcast on confession. It is such a good thing for your soul. So if that's you, bring that to church leaders. But with non-disqualifying sin, for lack of a better term, kind of the normal sins that happen daily in a person's life, but that don't make it wrong for you to continue teaching, I've personally found it's good to make sin corporate and salvation personal. So I'll make sin corporate. I'll talk about how we all in this room are greedy. We all in this room uh, are quick to get angry. And I might use some examples in my own life of areas where I know that I'm greedy or areas where I know that I'm selfish or whatever. I'll, I'll make sin corporate 
And I'll add myself to that corporate by showing places where I've gone wrong. But then I'll make salvation personal, meaning I look at the audience members and say, but God died for you specifically. I kind of leave myself out of that part. Not that I don't believe that God wants to save me, but I want everyone to, it's easier to swallow the idea that we're all sinners and that we all mess up in these different ways. But when you make salvation personal, to each audience member, it's a lot easier for them to cling on to it. And they're more likely to listen to you if they recognize you sin too, that you mess up as well. Real, remember as well, if your sin involves other people, get their permission before you bring that story up. If you hurt someone in your congregation, if you hurt your significant other before you mention them in a story, make sure that you get their permission to use that. But simply by admitting and showing some of the ways that you mess up too, you make it easier for people to think, oh, they're just a person on this spiritual walk with me. Which leads to the second thing I think we should own a bit more. We should admit our doubts. I remember I'm a big fan of the Bible Project and the things that Tim Mackey and John Collins and uh, their big team of of, uh, theologians and artists, uh, the the videos they're making, I've really grown a lot from a lot of the different things that they've done. And I remember uh, Tim Mackey specifically as they were starting their series on spiritual beings, discussing angels and demons and different things like that, as he was beginning that conversation one of the things he mentioned in that podcast was that this was a very hard thing for him to believe. He mentioned that this was one of the topics in theology that he most struggled with believing. And I remember listening to that and not thinking, whoa, he has doubts? How dare he? Or guess he's not a real Christian. I never did any of that. I remember just thinking, wow, it's incredible that someone with that much spiritual knowledge, can also doubt just like I do. It, it didn't distance me from him. It didn't make me think less of him. If anything, it brought me closer to him. It made me feel like, oh, he feels the same way at times that, that I feel. And by him acknowledging his own doubts, it made it easier for me to be honest about mine. You know, one of the things that can happen a lot in churches is rather than confronting doubts, we hide them. And as the teacher, as the public example, if you never admit any doubts you have about God or about the way God works, you silently tell people that they shouldn't have doubts either. If you never bring up the places you struggle with believing, then you, sh- you show people that they shouldn't have struggles with believing either. Whereas when you acknowledge doubts, when you welcome doubts, when you bring them to the surface, not just so that you can leave them as a doubt and and have people move on without any kind of resolution, but when you bring it up to show your own personal struggle, you welcome people to share their own personal struggles. You create an atmosphere where it's easy for people to bring up the places where they struggle believing too. And by bringing those things to the light, you create an opportunity for real growth. So we should admit our faults. We should admit our doubts. And similar to admitting our doubts, we should admit what we wish was different. You know, on the surface, 
I personally just wish that hell didn't exist. I just, I wish that people wouldn't end up in that situation. I wish that it wasn't the best way to handle things. I, I wish that were different. I really do. I just, I, I don't like the fact that that's real, but I trust that God is right. And rather than just showing people the end point of, oh yeah, God is totally right in all that he does, and I can celebrate his goodness even while he's acting as judge. If I just show people that and don't show people the struggle to come to believe that or the desire that it would go a different way, we can almost show people that their desires for something different are just flat out silly or that they're wrong or that they're, you know, and and they are in some degree wrong if they continually, deliberately go against what God is doing. But by simply admitting like, hey, I wish this were different too, we show people that they're welcome to be on a journey of faith, that they're welcome to grow slowly, that they're welcome to be human and have human doubts and human struggles, and that you are someone who gets that. By being open with them and all of those different things, you show them that you're going to get what they're saying, that you're not going to turn them away coldly as they come to you with the things that they doubt or the things that they wish were different or the faults that they have. So we want to be open in these different areas without it being all about ourselves. And, and here's a couple ways to keep things from being all about you. First thing I would say is limit the number of stories you tell about yourself. Now, I, I told you at the top of this podcast, I often in my teaching will tell stories that I'm a part of. This is something actually my wife pointed out to me recently as we were just kind of talking about teaching in general. She was saying like, yeah, I think it might actually be better for you and more helpful for you if you told fewer of those stories so that you could stay in the text longer. And she was totally right. And I got her approval before I told you this story on this podcast. But she was totally right because I need to keep asking myself the question, do I want people to learn the Bible or do I want them to learn about my journey with the Bible? Do I want people to know more of Jesus or do I just want people to know about my journey with Jesus? By limiting the number of stories you are essentially a part of, you show people that your faith isn't just about you. It's about God working in the true world. It's about God working in all people and in all circumstances. So by removing yourself as that focal point, even in just the illustrations you use, you stop making it about you and you start showing people that God works in more than just your life. He works in everybody's life. So limit the stories about yourself. Second, make applications meaningful to everyone. Make your applications meaningful to everyone. So in some circumstances, you got to think about the kind of people you're teaching. Maybe you're teaching just a youth group, and so you're only teaching junior high students or high school students or young adults, but maybe you're teaching a, wide, a wider range than that. Maybe you have you know, a 65-year-old grandmother who's going to be listening to your teaching. Maybe you have a single dad who's going to be listening to your teaching. Maybe you have a young family or you have uh, a retired cop or you have all sorts of different kinds of people 
who are going to be there for your teaching. Think about each and every one of them. And then when it comes to your applications, ask yourself, can each person there use your applications? So when I was teaching youth group, it was easy for my applications to be centered on school. And when I would teach on evangelism, I would use applications about sharing God's word when they went to school. Well, a lot of the students in my youth group, they were homeschooled or they went to Christian schools or they had other kind of school arrangements. They weren't just going to public school the way that I went to public school. And I had to keep asking myself, can all of these students use these applications? And if the answer is no, then you're making your message about some of your people, but not all of your people. So keep expanding the applications that you're using. And and it's not that you need to get rid of the application that only hits some of them as much as you need to add applications that hit the rest of them. So when I would talk about evangelizing in school, I would also talk about evangelizing in your neighborhood or evangelizing on your club soccer team or whatever sport they happen to play, perhaps. I'd try to expand the social circles that they would have so it wasn't just at your school, but it was wherever you happened to go. By by making sure every person can look at one of the applications you give and go, I could totally do that. You make sure that in your messages you're serving them, not just yourself. And then last, I would say, when it comes to making messages not all about you, don't only mention the things that you've mastered. You know, it's really easy to talk about Bible reading as one of your applications if you're reading 10 chapters a day. If your devotional life is amazing, then it's really easy to tell people that their devotional life should be better. But if your prayer life is weak, It doesn't mean you should stop telling people that their prayer life should be better. It means that you should mention that your prayer life needs to get better too. You need to call everybody to grow. And there have been times in my teaching where I have said to people, look, I am not great at this, but that doesn't make it less one of God's commands. That doesn't mean... It doesn't mean that God wants us to do this less just because I'm not personally good at it. I said at the top of this episode, I'm not necessarily great at striking this balance, but it doesn't mean that this balance is unimportant. Ultimately, we are one church growing together. Just because you happen to get on a stage or you get to teach the Bible or you get to lead people in worship or however you lead and teach the Bible, just because you're the one doing that, doesn't mean you're above God's call to be one in his church and to walk in mutual growth. We're all just trying to grow together. We're all just trying to move forward towards Jesus. And you want to be open in that. You want to be personal as you're sharing that message, but you want to be careful to not make it all about you because you, just like everyone you teach, needs to grow too. You need to keep growing in your walk. And by humbly saying, it's not all about me, you open yourself up in ways that are healthy, not just for your listeners, but are healthy for your own soul as well. Thank you for listening to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast. 
If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to subscribe to the feed or to leave a rating. All of those things, ratings and reviews, they really help get the message out. This podcast is part of the Good Lion Podcast Network. And specifically, I work with my good buddy, Aaron Salvato, on the Good Lion Podcast. This last Friday, we released an episode about responding to Christian leaders leaving the faith and dove specifically into the stories of Joshua Harris and Marty Sampson and their public departures from the faith. If that's something you've been interested in thinking more about, Aaron and I think about that together for about an hour. So check out the Good Lion podcast. You can get all of the Good Lion content by visiting our website, goodlion.io. There you'll get all of our podcasts, articles that we're releasing, as well as some educational resources. You can follow goodlion.io on Instagram, and you can also follow this podcast, First Time Bible Teacher, by following at First Time Bible Teacher on Instagram. You'll get episode art, you'll get updates on where the podcast is headed, and at times there are some interactive things so that you can have a voice in this podcast. May God bless you in your teaching. We'll see you next time.